Hey there, before I start the episode, I just want to say a few things, all good and all very exciting. This podcast has been around in one shape or form now for over 10 years. It started quite privately and was just to be an extra support for my face-to-face clients. And in 2010, it moved on to iTunes and created a life of its own almost, which is where the Motivate Yourself website came from. But over the last five or six years, I guess, the series has been less about motivation and more about mental health and personal development as a whole. So the name doesn't quite fit the way that it used to. And I don't want to confuse anyone with its name. So I thought it about time that we have a bit of a rebrand. And I've been mulling this over for a couple of years, to be honest. But it's scary to make a decision about change, isn't it? Do I call it the Happier You podcast? The the Better You show? all seemed as if I could still be narrowing it down too much, but it seemed a bit big-headed to simply call it the Richard Nichols podcast. But that is, after all, what it is, so that is what it's going to be from now on. It will even get a new website when I finally get round to it. I've been a bit busy. Uh, RichardNichols.net. Um, although you could be listening to this a couple of months in the future, uh, in which case it's already up there. So um, <laughs> if you never did visit my old site to sign up for any of my newsletters, then this gives you a chance to put that right. So go to richardnichols.net, where as well as signing up for my newsletter, there are some links to the new social media pages too, because I've I've, I've, I've created an Instagram page. Instagram, yeah, I'm down with the kids, me. So although the podcast content hasn't changed at all, there will be subtle differences, which you'll notice as soon as I start the show. Speaking of which... And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 151. It's titled The Dangers of Manning Up, and if you're ready, we'll start the show. When someone says, be a man, what do you think of? Acts tough? Don't cry? Or do you think manning up means to take responsibility for your emotions, or accept mistakes and move on, maybe? The idea of manning up seems to mean something different to everyone. YouTube channel Cut created some word association videos once, and I'll put a link to it, I'll embed it onto the um, uh, the website, into the, into today's episode. And one of the phrases that they asked a group of men to respond to was, be a man. And it was really quite interesting to see the variances. They edited it together so that the youngest were at the beginning and the eldest at the end of the video. And it started with five-year-olds and ended at 50. Now, the reason this was so interesting to me is because the younger someone was, the more similar their responses were to each other. Most of the under-30s associated being a man with being tough, strong, especially the, especially the really young ones, especially the youngsters. And it wasn't until they were into their 30s that they seemed to find their own voice. And the closer they got to 50, the more they saw it as a cliché that shouldn't have any relevance at all and associated it with honesty instead. And being a man meant to embrace emotions or uh, trusting themselves and walking their own path, you know, that sort of thing. And it reminded me of something that Piers Morgan said during Mental Health Awareness Week early on in the year. It was in response to an article that said that two-thirds of British adults have experienced mental health problems, 
Which is true, but that doesn't mean that 34 million people are all suffering with mental illness all at the same time, which the headlines often exaggerate it to make it sound that way, you know, to try and get your attention. But the thing is, rather than acknowledge it as clickbait and, and start a sensible discussion, um, Piers Morgan said, what utter, non- utter nonsense, man up Britain, and... What is it? I'm not convinced by this new trend of male public soul-bearing. Time for our gender to get a grip, methinks. Life's tough. Man up. And it started a flurry of almost 2,000 replies that gave quite an insight into what people think about mental health. One man replied with, I did man up and asked for help. It saved my life, if only more men would. To which someone else replied, My husband manned up and asked for help. He didn't get it. He killed himself. Glad you're still with us. And with suicide being the leading cause of death for everyone under 35, men and women, we can't ignore it. But to tell someone to man up to mental health might sound like a good strapline, but if manning up means something different to everyone, then instead of it having the same effect as uh, Nike's Just Do It or Trump's Make America Great Again, which are both great influences because, yes, they mean something different to everyone, but it's positive. Manning up might not be. Manning up to one guy might mean that he's not supposed to need help, and rather than making him tougher, it makes him feel more desperate. Being a man to an impressionable six-year-old boy might mean that he thinks it's wrong to enjoy reading books, because it's not drenched in testosterone, or to grow up emotionally illiterate when they can't differentiate the difference between guilt and anger because they've never felt right exploring emotions. To grow up thinking that men have to be strong and powerful is a dangerous thing, especially if they end up having some level of authority or influence when they're older. I'm looking at you, Harvey Weinstein. So I think it's worth challenging this idea of manning up. Anecdotally, we find that the older we get, the more we see this myth of masculinity. But it seems to take experience to gain that wisdom, and I get that. Wisdom comes from experience, but there are alternatives to needing this wisdom. If we can learn earlier in life that discussing our problems is a good thing, then it becomes part of our personality, our foundation. That way, blokes don't have to drink ten pints just to tell their mates that they love them. They don't need to be the one that wears the trousers in the relationship. Wears the trousers? Who wears the trousers in your relationship? You know How ridiculous a phrase is that? But it's been part of our culture. And in trying to define what it means to be a man, it gives us this belief that there's a stereotype. That if we don't fit or conform to, then there must be something wrong with us. I remember PE lessons at primary school and the the shame of always being picked last for teams because no one wanted me on their team. These were mixed gender games as well, and still out of 30 kids, there's me and this asthmatic skinny girl standing next to each other, whilst the two teams can't make their mind up, not just about who they do want on their team, but who they don't want. And if this was, I don't know, um, an English lesson, and kids were asked to pick teams to who they want on their spelling quiz, we'd probably be more accepting of our strengths and weaknesses and admit that, hey, you know, spelling is not my best skill, but I'll do my best. We'd be okay with that. Did you um? Did you ever watch the IT Crowd, written by Graham Linehan? I absolutely love that show. So well written. Well done, that man. Now there was one episode where these two geeky blokes. If you've never seen it, then I'll sort of sum it up for you. These two geeky blokes. 
from an IT department are trying to man up and fit in with other men by learning about football. He's had me in stitches because I've been that. And that was me. And maybe still is to a degree, if I think about it. Last week I went out with my father-in-law for a for a pint. Um, and beforehand I googled around to see where Aston Villa were in the league table so that I could join in with a conversation with him. And when I sat down next to his brother-in-law, one of the first things I said was, how are Coventry City doing, Dave? Like I care, you know? Why? Why do, why do we do this? I know I'm not on my own here because clients will talk about this sort of thing with me. And although it's easy as humans to see patterns in things and filter our world based on our own viewpoint, and I'm just as guilty of cognitive biases as anyone is, but it does seem to happen more often than is statistically normal that a man coming for therapy has spent his life trying to be someone that he's not because of our culture's expectation of what a man really should be like. What's annoying is that we, we grow up being told that being competitive is best, being strong, being a, a winner, that men are supposed to handle physical pain without emotion and that emotional pain needs to be hidden. And then as adults, we get told that women want a sensitive guy who's more open. And these guys don't know how to be that because they weren't brought up putting any value on needing to be understanding or on having empathy. When it comes to mental health, despite the fact that they know it's not right, a lot of people think men shouldn't need to talk about how they feel because it shows weakness. When to be honest, it's the exact opposite. Going against that instinct and opening up is probably one of the most difficult things that they could do. So how do we fix this? How can we get it so that men can just be happy with who they are without needing to be a man? I think it's having these sorts of conversations that's key, whether it's with your kids, your brother, your sister, your mate over a pint or a frothy coffee. Bring this up in conversation. I'm in a better position, I guess, because obviously my clients know that I'm not there to judge in any way, so they can be honest. But if you ask a male friend, hey, what do you hide from the outside world? What don't you let people see? They're probably not going to tell you because, well, you've just said it, it's the stuff they hide and don't let people see. So maybe we have to ask ourselves that. What do I hide from the outside world? What don't I let people see? You might be surprised what comes up. Anyway, time's up for another month, pod fans. But don't despair. It's going to be Christmas soon. And if you hate Christmas, then don't despair either, because it'll be over before you know it. Before I go, I just want to thank everyone that's been in touch over the last few months. I've not given any shout-outs for ages, and to be honest, if I thanked everyone individually, I'd be here till Christmas next year, and would definitely lose your interest, but thanks to all of you that took the time to tweet me or email me, either asking for advice or with topic suggestions for the podcast. Keep them coming, that's fine. Honestly, genuinely is, I want to hear from everybody. I do read every email eventually. It might take me a while to reply if the email warrants a reply, that is, but I absolutely will read what you send me, so please be polite. <laughs> also, a big shout-out to listener Laura, though, whose birthday it is next week. Happy birthday for next week, Laura. I'd sing to you, Laura, but um, it wouldn't help in any way. To be honest, I fall into the same category as Billy Connolly does when it comes to singing, who once said that he had a voice like a goose farting in the fog. But happy birthday anyway, and I'm glad you made it all the way to the end of the episode without falling asleep. One more thing, actually. 
I do have uh, a big announcement to make, if you don't already know. It's about my new book. I've been dropping hints for ages now that I have a self-help book coming out in the new year. And I'm pleased to tell you that it's available for pre-order now, if you fancy putting your order in. It's called 15 Minutes to Happiness, and is being released on the 28th of December, ready for the New Year, New You flurry of activity. In it, I've come up with some really easy, everyday exercises to help you feel happier and more fulfilled. In the same way that I do on this podcast, I've not just listed a load of exercises and told you to get on with it. I've gone into a bit about the science as to why they work, to prove to you that it's worth putting the effort in. And it hopefully will encourage you to do more than just read about how to become a happier you. You can actually do something about it. It's called 15 Minutes to Happiness because these exercises are a bit like me, really. Short and sweet. And will take no longer than 15 minutes to do. And they are proven to help with happiness and well-being. There are links splashed all over every website I've got, but there is a specific one, 15minutesthappiness.com and, uh, and richardnichols.net and still motivateyourself.co.uk will take you there as well. But on, on all of these, all of my websites, there are links to the right page of all the popular bookstores. Amazon, iBooks, Blackwells, wherever you get your books from. So have a look. It's 8 99 everywhere, I think, so no one's adding any extra on as far as I know. And place your order so as to get ready to make 2018 the best year so far. And I'll see you next time. Bye!